welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Morning, everyone. So good to be here. Been so good this morning, eh? Who loved watching the guys with pumpkins? Um, You're in for an awesome morning this morning, Um, the last few Mother's Days. We've had amazing women come up and share their stories, and we thought, should we do it again? And then I was like, yeah, I really think we should, and really felt God impressed some women um, on my heart to ask, and they were all super keen. And they're going to be sharing their stories with you. Some of them will be to do with motherhood. Some might just be their story of their journey with God, and I hope and I pray and I believe it will really impact every single one of you, whether you're a woman or a man, whether you're a mum or not. Just I encourage you this morning to open your hearts and allow God to speak to you because who knows that a person's testimony is so powerful. It can give you hope when you feel like there is no hope or you can't go on. It can just encourage you that someone else has walked the path that you are currently walking or that there's someone else up here that struggled with the same things you've struggled with. So I really encourage you to have open hearts and encourage them as they share. And um, it's, it's quite hard to get up the front here, let alone share vulnerably. So be a really encouraging people this morning. And um, let's give a massive hand. I'm going to invite up Rose, Ripika and Larissa. So give them a hand as they come on stage. Beautiful ladies. Have a seat, girls. <laughs> Aren't they awesome? Yeah. I'm going to do a little intro um, for those of you that don't know them. How are you, girls? Happy Mother's Day. It's <laughs> a lovely plant in between us. Rose is a mum of eight. Wow. <laughs> and she's a grandma to 11 with one on the way. You'll have to guess who's got the one on the way in the family. <laughs> she's an amazing part of Renew Church for a long time, and you've been involved in so many areas. I can't even list them all, Rose. I remember you did a lot of baking for youth back in the day, um, along with her husband, Alton, who is an amazing teacher at Renew School here, our Christian school. And Rose is currently working part-time as a childcare worker, And you're a homeschool mum for many years, and your kids went through the school here, some of them as well. And you're such a blessing to so many. You're like a mother to so many here. If your mum isn't here, grab Rose for a photo later, guys. Um, She has such a beautiful heart and a caring heart, so we love you, Rose, and it's an honour to have you share this morning. I'm so glad you could make it. Um, Ripika is a mum of two beautiful girls and an amazing part of Renew Church. You might have seen her on the worship team here. And she works as a head barista as well. And you have such a powerful testimony. To, I've, I've heard it and spent time with her, and some of you may have too. And it's just so exciting to see you flourish in your journey with God and um, what God's doing in your life. And I'm always really encouraged when I spend time with you. You've got really deep wisdom and just a beautiful heart. So thank you so much for sharing this morning, and I really believe that your story is going to impact many, whether people are here listening or watch it online now or later, so thank you for coming, really thankful, Lipeka, and we've got Larissa, who's been doing so much already this morning, wrapping those pumpkins on people, (laughs) 
Larissa is a mum of two precious boys, and I can officially announce she's pregnant with a third because it was went public yesterday. <laughs> um, married to Mitch, who everyone would know, and you're currently homeschooling and also working part time as our kids pastor here at Renew. And um, you've been such a huge blessing already to so many of us here. I know many of you were blown away by the Christmas production last year. Those who watched it were involved, wasn't that awesome? Um, which Larissa wrote and produced and everything. And um, many of you will know that Mitch and Larissa made a massive move um, to follow the call of God to come up here away from family and friends. So we just love them so much and love your heart for God to follow God no matter what. And um, you're a real fun, inspiring person, so I'm excited to hear what you share this morning. <laughs> you're a bit too fun. Anyway, <laughs> she's made me do some crazy things. Anyway, we're going to start with some quick questions this morning. So firstly, does anyone want to share your most embarrassing parenting moment that's not, that's safe to share here? <laughs> um, yes, I was driving into the petrol station and I had three of my kids in the back. One was Abby, one was Jeremy, and the other one, there, that's what I'm doing, and the other one was of all people, Beth. Now, Beth was in her late teens, and Jeremy was sort of at the beginning of his teens, and I'm not quite sure where Abby was, but she was about there. And um, I drove in with my three docile kids in the back, and I was just sitting there waiting to get out to go and fill the car up with petrol, and then suddenly I got the shock of my life. I heard this massive noise in the back. And it was, and it gave me such a fright. And then the whole car, and they kept going, and the whole car started rocking like this. And then people started staring. And there was Jenny from the fish, fish and chip shop at Hikarangi. She was there staring at me. And I just thought, I want the ground to swallow me up. And they just kept going and going and going. And then I thought, I'm going to hop out of the car and I'm going to stand with these other people watching and going, who's, where's their mother? Gosh. But yeah, and um, this is payback time, kids. What were they doing in there, being monkeys? What were they doing, being monkeys? Neanderthals. Have a story with the kicker? I do. Um, I've had to write everything down because of mum brain. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> um, okay, so when the kids were young, I had to rush out with them to pick something up from someone. So I threw on my comfy dress and went on my way. Um, I had a 30 minute conversation with said person and then headed back home only to realise I had worn my dress inside out and back to front. <laughs> Classic. That's so good. Um, it takes a lot to embarrass me, and my kids don't. I, normally, I, kids are kids. I just find them pretty funny anyway, so I don't necessarily get embarrassed by them. But the last time I was really truly embarrassed was actually only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, what happened? And it wasn't my kids that embarrassed me. It was Mitch. Um, <laughs> and I know most of you probably think that I'm the fun parent, and Mitch is the serious one because he just generally like acts too cool for everything. But when Mitch, 
When Mitch commits to a game with the boys, he really, really commits. Um, and so I was sitting outside the hospital. I just had a physio appointment, and I was waiting for them to pick me up. And along comes the car, and it's kind of bunny hopping along. And I'm like, what's going on? And so I get in the car, and Mitch goes, hi, I was born yesterday. <laughs> Which, if you're a parent and you watch Bluey, it's a game that um, Bluey's dad plays with his kids, where the dad pretends to be born yesterday, and the kids have to coach them through life as if he doesn't know anything. So Oakley's in the back of the car trying to teach Mitch how to drive as Mitch is driving <laughs> through the hospital car park. And so we're kind of bunny hopping along. There's heaps of people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to think that Mitch is high, or... <laughs> And so already I was like, what is going on? And Mitch is just, he's really, really well and truly committed to this game. We get up to the barrier arm, um, and he, and Oakley's like, get the money, Dad, get the money. And I was like, well, you don't have to pay for the parking. And he gets out his little ticket, he goes, did you know this machine gives out free money? And then winds his window down, there's heaps of people walking past, and he puts his, the ticket out the window, he goes, free money, everyone! <laughs> he's like, this machine gives out free money! And I was just sitting there like... What is my life right now? The kids are in the back just absolutely wetting themselves. Mitch, I don't know what happened to my husband. He was just on another planet. Um, but yeah, that was my... I, I, I did really think. I was like, ah, oh, these guys are going to think that my husband is a lunatic. <laughs> Big kid, Mitch. That was good. Okay, third question. Uh, second question. Hardest part of being a mum? Getting to the serious ones. I'll just go. Um, I think the hardest thing is probably just managing expectations and priorities. I think the times when I've found motherhood the hardest has been normally my priorities have come out of alignment um, and something's taken place over either my relationship with God or my connection with my kids um, or I've had unrealistic expectations on myself, on my children, or have let other people's expectations dictate how I'm, how I'm doing motherhood. So I think, yeah, man, just managing those expectations. What's realistic to expect from myself? What's actually realistic to expect from my kids in any given situation? That's awesome. Um, I think the hardest part being a solo mum is to play both roles. Uh, both roles as breadwinner and homemaker, um, going to work all day and then coming home and making the dinner and making sure the house is clean. Um, sometimes I'm just absolutely shattered after work that the kids will get cereal for dinner, like straight up. It's it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the hardest part is, is playing both roles, and I think that can be for both mother and father, solo parents in general. I think I, I mean this more for my children as they're older. When you see them struggling and going through some really hard times and you feel so helpless, you feel like you just want to fix it and you can't. And so it... But it's good because it gets you on your knees, it gets you yielding, it gets you praying and depending on the Holy Spirit um, to work in their lives. But the human part of me just wants to go and wave a wand over them and fix it. Yeah, that's so true. Wow, those are good ladies. And now we've got the best part of being a mum. (laughs) You can tell the difference in the generations. Phones and paper. Um, 
I put, um, I loved my homeschooling years, absolutely loved them. Um, I think building relationships with my children, um, the deep talks that we can have, I love that. I love having deep talks with my kids. Um, Reading to my children when they were younger, I love that. Turning off the light, getting out the duvets and the marshmallows and the potato chips and lighting the candles and reading to them and actually just doing life together. Um, My highlight is having two of the best friends I could ask for. Coming home after a long day, crawling into my bed with the girls and opening the Bible, reading it with them, uh, reading it together and praying together before they go off to their own beds. It really gives me a lot of peace just knowing that they're in their beds at night and yeah, it's amazing. And that sounds really blissful. Um, There are evenings where they won't stop elbowing each other and fighting and one person ends up crying. So I'll have to send one out and then invite them back in and and then fight them into their beds because apparently mum's bed is better, which I, yeah, it is. Um, But it's still, I'm still left with such a great peace even on those evenings because I love my kids. Um, I just love listening to the hilarious things that come out of their mouths, to be honest. Um, if you've spent five minutes with Oakley, he's a cracker. Um, it, uh, but I love the fact that you like you meet your kid the day that they're born, but then you spend every day of your life continuing to get to know them um, because they are. It's not just they're not like a little halfling; like they are a whole being with a whole brain and whole ideas and a lot of questions. And it's just I, I just love any like as soon as they start talking and you can actually get a glimpse of what's happening in here, it just blows me away. It's so fun. So good. Love those stories. Okay, so all of these three ladies are amazing mums and I asked, they've all had completely different journeys as we all do as mums and I I asked each of them just to share for a short moment something they felt to share or a part of, a significant part of their journey. So some of them may share things around motherhood, some of them may just share part of their story. So I'm really excited for them to share. They've asked God what to share and um, I know it's going to encourage all of us. So Rose, you get to go first. (laughs) Five minutes, eight. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, I'm a bit like Simon. Wow, I'm the extrovert, he's the introvert. But I am a bit like Simon. I like watching war movies. Um, I'm, I'm not your typical mother of eight. Um, and Hacksaw Ridge was just so inspiring. Actually, two of my boys cried just about through the whole movie. Um, and so did I. Um, you know, some men in, in, in the World War II, when they were wounded and facing death, would cry out for their mothers. And man, that just so touches you. They cry out for their mother, and why is that? And a mother represents a place of safety, of nurture, comfort, and reassurance. When they were little, my kids would come running to me when they scraped their knee. And why is that? It's because they felt that they were going to be loved, they were going to be cared for and nurtured. Um, 
and how easy it is to put a plaster on when they're young, but so much harder when they're older. You can't just put a plaster on it when they're older. Motherhood encompasses many things. You can be on the top of Mount Everest and then the next day slump into the Marianas Trench. It's winding roads and sometimes lots of potholes. But you know what? God is not looking for successful mothers. He's not looking for super mums. He is looking for faithful mothers. And faithful is the key word. Mothers that stay at their post, rain, hail or shine. Some are standing, some are on one leg, some are down on their knees, some are prostrate, but they stay at their post. And 2 Timothy 2 says, So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And in 1 Timothy 6.12 it says, Fight the good fight for the true faith. So mothers, fight the good fight for the true faith. You have heard the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I would change that and say, when the going gets tough, the faithful keep going. As a mother, I've experienced so much joy, yet also my heart has ached so much during those times of mothering my children. We think we are just training them, but they are also training us. Most of my growth as a person has been during my time as a mother. Being faithful to your calling requires your everything, your all. Motherhood is not an add-on. You can't just attach it to part of your life. It is your life. um, When they leave home and start their own lives, you are still praying for them, advising them, supporting them, loving them. Motherhood never ends. And motherhood doesn't have a use-by date. In all this, we desperately need Holy Spirit to help us, counsel us, empower us, reveal things to us, and convict us. It's not about our efforts, dear mothers, but it's us yielding to the Holy Spirit. As the children got older, I had to learn to take my hands off and trust Holy Spirit to intervene and move. Boy, that is hard sometimes, and I don't always trust him to work it. It is so hard seeing your children have crisis of faith. You just want to fix it. Those times are hard, but this is their journey. I tend to encourage and pray, pray, pray. I've seen many victories in my life as a mother, but I've had to learn to yield rather than attempting things in my own efforts. My heart goes out to the mothers who have brought up their children to know him and follow him, and then they fall away, living a life you never desired for them. Dear mothers, you have not failed. It's times like this that we allow his grace to come into the situation. God sees your faithfulness. Stay at your post and surrender them daily to his capable hands. Keep believing, keep praying, and as grace is there for you, continue to leave your porch light on. Never turn your porch light off. Your porch light is a beacon 
I encourage all you beautiful mothers to stay faithful to your calling. Never let the world diminish this calling. It is a precious gift. I pray that his Holy Spirit will by faith impart grace to your hearts. In Ephesians 2.10, mothers, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Enjoy your motherhood. It's hard sometimes, but we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. We can't strive. That's so good. You need to write a book, Rose. That was beautiful. (laughs) So good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have Rebecca share as well. Um, It's, you know how you just said, like, it's not about you failing them if they go into the world and it's their own journey to have. Well, I was raised as a Christian uh, by my parents. But there came a time in my 20s where the devil just threw everything he could at me um, to break me. Uh, So what happened was over the course of six months, I left a job due to burnout. Um, A week later, my relationship at the time ended. A week after that, my grandfather passed away. A week after that, I started a new job. Uh, But I, um, that job was amazing, but I wasn't able to continue it because I slipped over and fractured my spine. Um, so during my recovery, I had to move homes because I couldn't afford the current home that I was in. And once I moved, due to all the stress of everything that had happened in the months prior, I thought I would treat myself to a night on the town to unwind, let my hair down, um, just have some fun, really. And unfortunately, this night out led to me being raped. After that, the pressure of it all came to be too much. So the devil won, and I abandoned my faith. I ran away from the only one who could truly heal me. I began drinking more to numb my pain. I had severe depression, anxiety, and regular panic attacks because of PTSD. I really struggled to put on a brave face for my children, um, while on the inside I was hurting very badly. There were days where I didn't want to get out of bed, and if it wasn't for my amazing children, I wouldn't have. Their sense of humor and their pure love kept me going through this time. Even so, I was broken, lost, and I had no strength left. I cried out to God. I was mad because I think deep down I I knew God was real, but I didn't believe anymore. So I cried out to God and I said, I don't even know if you're real. God, I have no strength left in me. When I think of the Bible, I see lies. When When I think of the church, I see hypocrites. I never want to go back to church again. I said that to God. I was just being absolutely real. Um, And so I said, if you want me back at church, you're going to have to do the hard work for me because I don't have the strength. And the Lord heard my cries. Slowly but surely, he softened my heart through different conversations with different people. 
Um, Revelations chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I open that door just as I was, broken with a mountain of burdens and not even believing. But I opened the door. And he entered into my life and got to work. Fast forward almost two years. One Sunday morning, Simon does the altar call. And normally my pride gets in the way and I'm like, I don't need to make this public declaration in front of all these people. Um, But that weekend, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to respond. So very reluctantly, I went to the front with my heart beating out of my chest As soon as I got to the front, the Lord poured out his love over me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I could feel his love. It was warm, beautiful, and true. At this point, I burst into tears, thanking him because finally I understood what it meant to be loved by God. By then, I had already given my heart back to God, so I asked why he had called me to the front, and he immediately replied saying, I want you to give it all to me. Everything that has happened to you from birth until this very moment, I want you to give it all to me. So I prayed, okay, God, right now I give you my whole life from birth up until now. And the second I prayed that, I felt a physical weight strip off my body and be taken by the Holy Spirit. All the pain The anxiety and the guilt was all gone and dead. The old me was gone and I was made new again in Christ. And I no longer carried the past around with me as my identity anymore. Thank you, Rebecca. That was amazing. So good. Go for it, Larissa. Okay, hi guys. Um, so, I became a mum, um, well, I got pregnant with Oakley when I was 20. So I was, you know, really mature, really ready for it. Um, had a lot of life experience. Um, I was well out of my teenage years and I was ready to tackle um, being a mum. Um, no, it, it was, for Mitch and I, we got married just before my 19th birthday. So we were we were really taking on the world um, as youngins, as spring chickens. Um, and then we fell pregnant significantly earlier than what we had planned. Um, and even though God had given me a warning that this would be happening before I turned 21, I still did everything within my power to tell him to get lost. Um <laughs> But Oakley came along and turned our entire world upside down um, and we totally fell in love with our little boy. Um, but, um, and I don't, I don't know whether it was age, I don't actually think it was, but I really struggled with my identity as a mother. Um, and I just, I, and I think this is actually not something that was um, isolated to motherhood. It was probably prevalent through my whole life, but motherhood just really magnified it in quite an aggressive way. Um, I just had this really big um, case of imposter syndrome. <laughs> like I remember, Oakley is a very extroverted child. He always has been. He came out of the womb ready to. Um, he just had a big space in his heart for anyone and everyone. 
Um, and I used to watch him interacting with everyone around me, sitting there being, and I just had these weird thoughts like, am I really his mum? Like, is this what it feels like to be someone's mum? I don't know, like, am I actually important to him? Does he know that I'm, my, I'm his mum? And just like all these weird, you know, like, you look back at it now, and I'm like, well, of course I was his mum. I grew him and birthed him and, you know, fed him and all that jazz. But I still, yeah, I just had these really weird, I have just felt really disconnected from my role as a mother um, and felt really unsettled. Um, and, like, I would go to, like, mums groups and kids' birthday parties, and I would always look at the other mums and be like, oh, those are the real mums. Um, and I'm just this weird kid giving this thing a go, and one day I'm going to wake up from this dream and realise, oh, it was all pretend. Um, or everyone else is going to realise that I'm just pretending to do this whole mum thing. Um, and so those early years with him, they were really special. We had a lot of fun. Um, he was He's such a cool kid. But I just had these nagging little insecurities at the back of my head that were just subtly robbing what should have been a really beautiful, precious time in my life. Um, And I didn't really understand what was off. I was like, why don't I feel like content in the season of my life why don't like I know there was a lot of things I had to grieve because we had plans and all that jazz and so I had to let go of a lot of things but I still like I really wanted to settle into the season of my life and be like okay God this is where you've got me this is what you're calling me to I'm going to give this my all but there was just something that was just I was constantly coming up against a brick wall Um, and I just felt restless and out completely out of my depth actually and then we had Everett um, just shy of three years after Oakley. Um, and I was like, great, I'm not just a chick with a kid now. Like, I've got two kids. I am a proper mum. Like, I've got a family. This is a whole thing. Um, and this is, like, I'm going to feel like a real mum now. Um, and I didn't. <laughs> I got, uh, actually, those insecurities grew and got worse. And, um, and in fact, it grew alongside a pretty solid dose of postpartum depression as well. Um, and my goodness, I just felt in that season so useless and completely incapable. Um, I couldn't make my bed in the morning. I couldn't even feed myself. I couldn't, let alone feed my kids. Um, and I would, and that's when, you know, that horrible disease of comparison sets in as well. And I would look at other mums around around me and be like, well, you know, why are their kids dressed properly on a Sunday morning? And why is their car not as absolute trash as mine? And like all these, you know, you just, this, I, I always say comparison is a real C word because when you're feeling insecure, it's so easy to look at other people and be like, why can they get this aspect of their life sorted? And why can't I just, you know, um, and, you know, they can get their kids in bed by seven o'clock and mine's still, you know, chatting my ear off at 10.30 at night. Um <laughs> And it, so it just became this vicious cycle of depressive and anxious thoughts um, and a lot of panic attacks. And it kind of got to the point um, where I would wake up in the morning, Mitch would feed the kids, he'd get the kids dressed, he would go to work. I would sit on the couch watching my children, um, just completely numb, being like, I'm meant to be enjoying this season, I'm meant to be thriving in this season. I'm but I just would stare at the, like, I'm, I'm meant to really love these kids, but I just had this, like, it was like this wall of disconnect between myself and my children. And I would normally, I'd normally survive maybe an hour before I'd call Mitch in tears, being like, I can't do this, I, you need to come home. Mitch worked from home a lot that year. Um, bless him, he was an absolute um, champ when I was 
I had no idea what was going on inside my brain, but it wasn't being my friend. Um, and one day it kind of all came to a head. I woke up and Mitch got the boys up out of bed and took them downstairs to feed them. Um, and I just stayed in bed because <laughs> I often just delayed getting out of bed most most mornings. Like Rebecca said, I just didn't I didn't want to. I didn't have any hope or any strength to tackle the day. Um, and on this particular day, I just closed my eyes and said, "Okay, God, I actually can't do this anymore." And as I said those words, um, I had the most vivid vision. Um, I had my eyes closed and I saw this lion lying on the ground and it was a little bit more like a fur coat lying on the ground. It was skinny, it was scrawny, it had wounds festering all over it. Um, It was on the verge of death um, and it was just, it was like almost revolting to look at. I just saw this disgusting lion Um, and I heard the voice of Jesus just say to me, are you ready to trade places with me now? And I didn't know what he meant, but I was like, um, yes, I'll do anything, like anything to get me out of this misery hole, please. I'll just, yes, I'll tra- trade places. And all of a sudden, that lion became a young version of me lying on the ground, just worn out, had it, no strength left. And in walked the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it was, I didn't think I'd get emotional. But it was just this picture of strength and beauty and protection and he just walked over and lay with me Um, and I realized in that moment that my problem wasn't my identity as a mother it was my identity as a daughter Um, and I wasn't I wasn't doing things I was trying to do things in my own strengths but actually motherhood was always meant and everything that we do in our life everything that we call to in every season is meant to be out of an overflow of who we are in Christ and so I went on this journey of actually just every morning I would wake up I'd close my eyes I'd see Jesus as the Lion of Judah and I would different mornings would do different things but I just allowed him for a solid year to parent me Um, and I would start my day with Jesus and he would give me the strength to get through that day and then the next day we'd we'd go all over again Um, and some days it would just be I didn't have anything to say he didn't have anything to say to me but we would just sit together and then I would get myself out of bed and and go and parent my kids Um, other days we would sit and chat and I would grieve and let go of some things other days He would tell me to get my butt to counselling and chat to someone who could help me understand what was happening in my brain. Um, But it was just a slow journey, and there were so many incredible, profound visions. I'd actually love to write a book. There's too many to share right now, but just so many incredible, profound images um, and just the gospel becoming really real to me again. But I just had, had to surrender myself again and allow myself to first be a daughter of God above anything else. Um, and in, I just learned to sit and be with God and allowed him to be my father. Um, and that's really my journey in motherhood has not been about my role, but it's actually been my identity as a daughter. Um, and I think regardless of what hat you're wearing, whatever role you find yourself in, whatever season you're in, as I said, this wasn't something that was isolated to motherhood. I think in hindsight, before becoming a mother, there were so many environments that I'd walk into and I just didn't feel like... I belonged and I just felt out of place and I would wish away seasons of my life and not really 
like settle in and be like, this is where God's got me. And it was because there was a fracture in my identity as, of who I am in him. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I just wanted to encourage you that actually everything flows out of who you are in Christ and allowing him um, to be your parent first. Um, and then, yeah, everything you find, every season you find yourself in, um, that's, that's, where, that's where it all comes from. That's where his strength comes from. Wow. Let's give them all a hand. That's so good. We didn't need to use the tissues, but they were here. I love how you've each, like, haven't they each shared such different stories, but been so powerful. Um, we're going to finish up with a couple of quick questions to end. Thank you girls so much for sharing. How would you encourage those today who may be finding this day particularly hard for various reasons? How would you encourage those today who may be finding this day particularly hard for various reasons? Um, I would just say God is really, 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 really good. (laughs) Um, good. And whatever you're carrying in the season, be it grief or disappointment or depression, anxiety, um, just, I would just seek him. Um, and uh, what I what I learned in my journey is that he is so gentle and he is so gracious and he moves um, sometimes at our pace and sometimes he just, you know, takes the reins and does stuff for us. But um, he knows what we need in every season. And so if you're struggling today, um, just take some time to seek him. Um, for quite a few Mother's Days, I didn't really feel worthy for that day. Um, so if you're feeling exhausted, anxious, defeated, or just feeling like you're a bad mum, believe it or not, um, mums feel those feelings quite often. It's called mum guilt, and it sucks. (laughs) Um... Look into your child's eyes and find strength in knowing that you are their whole world. They love you with every part of their being and they need you. God chose you to be their mother. And no one else would make a better parent for your child than you. Um, A few years ago... um, It was on the Sunday and it was Mother's Day and I'd had an argument with one of my kids um, and it was quite a big argument and I just felt like rubbish when I came that Sunday. I just thought, Rose, you you know, you're you're useless. You know, you can't, you know, here you are on Mother's Day and you've had a big argument with your son. And um, I, I think... Firstly, just know that his grace is always there with you. No matter what you go through, his grace is always there. And another thing is, which I just feel the Holy Spirit say to me now actually, is you don't have to always know the why. Um, It's human nature to want the answers to everything. But we don't always have to know why. We just have to know the who. And last question. That was awesome. Um, Last question. Best piece of advice or wisdom you've been given as a mum or even just in life that you'd like to share this morning? I probably just got two. Um, I remember many years ago when I was at the start of having my family, um, 
my sister actually said to me, she said, Rose, never be too harsh on your children. Never be too harsh. And then years ago, very few of you would remember her, but Nan Salter, and she said to me, whenever she saw me arrive at church, she'd say, Rose, you're a millionaire. This wasn't something that was passed on to me, but more so something that I've learnt along my journey. Um, So it's wisdom I'd like to impart, I guess. Um, So my whole life, I have always believed that I needed a man in order to be complete. I believed that when I found someone else, then my life could start and things would be whole. Well, I'm on my fourth year of being single now, and the Most High has taught me that all I need is Him. I've learned that so often we will search for the things that we need from Christ in a human, and those humans fail us every time because they aren't Christ. If we seek God first in everything, then the rest will sort itself out. So if you're single, I encourage you to make Jesus your partner and see what happens in your life. Awesome. Um, This is probably the best analogy I've heard for managing the juggle, Um, and that is glass balls and bouncy balls. In every area of our life, it's not like you just have one ball, and if you drop the ball in one area because you're holding it in another area, then that's that you've dropped the ball. Um, But actually every area of your life, be it work, motherhood, family, whatever it is, um, we have glass balls and bouncy balls. So we have things that if we do drop them, they will break and we can't recover it. Um, But there are also a lot of bouncy balls that we can, you know, we can actually let go of and pick back up again. Um, And so it's not just a matter of, you know, I'm going to drop everything at work because I've got my hands full at home or I'm going to drop everything at home because I've got my hands full at work, but actually working out and prioritising, okay, what things are a priority and what things in this season can I let go of for a time and pick back up? Um, So, And then my other piece, and this is an ode to my awesome mum, is one day she came to my house and bought me a broccoli. (laughs) And I've never forgot this. Um, and I was like, this is cool, Mum, but why did you buy me a broccoli? And she said, well, things were really tight financially this week, but especially when things are tight, I want, I always want to find a way to give um, and be generous. It uh, doesn't matter. Generosity isn't about how much money's in your bank account, but what, you know, about your spirit. And so she went to the supermarket and saw that broccolis were 10 cents that week. <laughs> and so she bought a bunch of broccolis and, and went around giving them to her friends. Um, and that's something that's always stuck with me. It doesn't matter what season you're in and how tight things are, you can always find a way to be generous and give to others. Oh, I love it. Let's give them all a hand. Thank you so much. You girls are amazing. Thank you for sharing. That's so cool. That was so awesome. Wow, I want to rewatch that. Um, just in wrapping up this morning, I encourage you to share. The video will be online if you know people that will be encouraged by what was shared. But two things I wanted to bring out just as we finish up today is, firstly, no matter what you've been through or going through, there is hope. I loved Rebecca's story and all the other girls' stories of hard, difficult times, but there is hope. And if you'd love someone to talk to you or pray with you this morning, please come up the front or talk to someone you came with. We'd love to pray with you. Jesus 
is the hope giver. He can give you hope. But secondly, I really wanted to encourage you this morning how powerful it was sharing other people's stories, hearing them, wasn't it? It's so powerful when you hear someone's story. And I want to encourage each of you, you each have stories that you can share, whether it's an amazing testimony about your life or maybe it's just something to do with a little area that God helps you in that can bring hope to others. Um, so you know you might have overcome addictions or maybe as a parent there's some little place where you've found a breakthrough that you could encourage another parent in. So can I encourage you to get in the habit of sharing your stories and your testimonies more with others because they bring so much hope and they actually have power over the enemy too. It says in Revelation that your testimony has power against the enemy. It says, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love their lives, not even unto death. So your story is powerful. Anyway, let's stand. I'm going to get Simon, invite Simon up, and we're going to bless the woman here this morning. I love the power of prayers and blessings, so let's do that. Awesome. If you're a guy, you can sit down again. So all the awesome ladies in this room, um, and if you're a guy, you can stretch out your hand to to any one of these and pray with me. Lord, I want to thank you so much for these incredible women um, in this place this morning. They are so precious. They are so valuable. They are so loved by you. They are such a positive impact on all of us, God, Um, and they are incredible daughters of the Most High, as Rebecca said. So I just really pray a huge blessing upon every woman in this place this morning, and maybe even ones listening right now. Lord, I pray your blessing upon them as they come and as they go, their relationships, their finances, their health, God. Give them heaps of joy and peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.